Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Print Design Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and I got some more awesome print projects that we are diving into today. But before I talk about those, I first have to say that if you are interested in print design at all, and you're listening to the Print Design Podcast, so it's safe to assume you are print or packaging design, you can now get a seven-day free trial of print design mastery, which includes our craft beer label design course, where you can learn all about craft beer label designs, uh, shrink sleeve designs, also cut and stack labels for beer and beverages, all that kind of stuff. Right now, a seven-day free trial, and you just go to printdesignacademy.com where you can find that, and that's it. Seven-day free trial, kids. Get after it. Now for the guest. My guest today is Diego from Yummy Colors. These guys are putting out incredible print projects. Just a few episodes ago, I had the opportunity to talk to Connie from Yummy Colors, where she dove into the story behind their concept of the year print pieces that they put together every year. And in this episode, Diego is diving into a couple of beautiful coffee table books and the the story behind them, the material selection behind them, the brand behind them, why and how he as a designer and a creative helped bring those to life in print with the right materials, the right binding process, all of that stuff to really help tell that printed story. I'm also excited to say that Diego and Connie are going to be speaking at the Print Design Summit in February of 2024. Get on the wait list for that at printdesignsummit.com. And this episode is awesome. I'll just say that. Diego's a great guy. He's got a lot of print history um, (laughs) that I'll let him tell the story of. But let's get after it. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Diego from Yummy Colors. Here we go. Welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the show where we talk about all things print and packaging. We go behind the scenes with designers and talk about the print projects they designed that really rocked their world. From file prep to holding the finished product in their hand and all the key decisions in between. So let's talk ink on paper. Diego, welcome to the Print Design Podcast. How are you today? I'm good. And you? I'm doing great. We're doing Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you. We were just chatting a little bit before we hit record. You're in Copenhagen. It's 9.30 at night for you. I appreciate you sticking here with me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, you know, it's... It's it's good to it's good to do this kind of stuff. I, I love talking about print. Oh, awesome! You're speaking my language already. It's great. I previously mm-hmm. had um, an awesome conversation with Connie from your office, um, from Yummy Colors as well, talking about your concept of the year. And at the end of our call, she's like, "Oh, you should also connect with Diego because he's managed a couple of really awesome projects for Yummy Colors." And I was like, "Absolutely, introduce me, please." And and here we are. So I'm looking forward to this one. Um, before we get yeah. too deep into this, I'm just going to kick it over to you and have you briefly tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got going in the design game, um, and then we can uh, we'll move on to talking about some projects. Thank you. Like, yeah, I'm Diego. I'm Italian. And fun fact, my dad was a printer, so right, I started uh, sticking around printing facilities since I was like you know seven, eight years old. Nice. Um, you name it, like I, I the leather press, offset, you know, linotype. I was in all these places, like again, as a kid going around and having people telling me not to touch things. <laughs> and of course, you touch everything. So the smell, you know, the places, the people, you know, the cursing. So everything was like, you know, <laughs> like really ripe for me to go to design school. And I went to a design school and that's like, you know, and after I started working, my first job was like a production as like a publisher. Yeah. So again, like, you know, like working with like uh, books, and I moved into more a creative role later in life. I moved to Paris, I moved to New York, now I'm in Copenhagen. So work for like different work of life and mostly like fashion and branding throughout, you know, my career. Yeah. And 
amazing, amazing word. And so anytime I can put a little bit of print in my project, I, I do. You know, you say a little bit of print, but looking at some of the projects that we're going to talk about, these are like, these are big time projects, man. Like these are not like a couple of postcards for a little local brand. Um, these are some like world renowned type type brands and projects. Um, so you're understating it a little bit, but that, you know, I get that. I get that. If you, if you want to, as we talked about before luck, right? Like I think, I think like the, I'm in the right place at the right time sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it brings you this kind of project without really like pushing it too hard. And people are asking like, do you want to do a book? And you know, yep, for sure. I want to do a book. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. So being able to mention that, like, you know, you should really do a book. You should, you should print Mm -hmm. something. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Now, Diego, you mentioned that you grew up in a print shop, so you've been around, you know, print for a really long time. Is there any print projects that you saw really early in your childhood or when you first started hanging around print that have stuck with you and that you remember really well for any reason? It's more about the 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 leather press, kind of like yeah. putting it together. That it was right something that was some sort of magic, right? Like, you know, this idea of like, there's not a specific project, but it's more about like, again, like seeing people like, you know, composing lines, seeing like, you know, coming all together. And after like the movement of the, of the presses, like the, the, when you, when you hear a linotype machine, like, you know, like all the letters coming down, the sound of it is amazing. And after you have like a line of things that is, melted in your hand it's just like things that you're like you know like i how can you do that like you know how can you happen how can this happen in front of you like so it was like the nice process more than a project itself that was like magical you know i mean as a kid you're like uh, wow that's that's incredible i'm so glad you said that word because that's exactly what i was thinking is that when people first see print they see a a machine like a linotype they see these this equipment it is like magic how this how everything works together comes together especially the older stuff you know where you've got print arms just swinging back and forth and you got all of this movement creating something that you can hold in your hand and you just like this is beautiful yeah exactly it's 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 magical magical love that term magic 100 percent um, now, what about recently? Have you come across something recently um, in print that you saw in, in stores maybe or you, you picked up or just came across somehow that really surprised you or that you really enjoyed? Um, I think like print has changed, right? Like, of course. And I think now a lot of the project that you see in stores and bookstores, et cetera, mm-hmm are special, right? Like, you know, finally we elevate print to something that you want to buy. So it's very dangerous for me to go into uh, any <laughs> bookshop or store. Like, you know, like uh, it's, it's, it's not a good thing for my credit card. <laughs> and, like, but the things that I was thinking recently, like when I, so going back to my Italian, I'm from Verona. Verona has been a really big, printing area for many years, a lot of publisher for, for some reason, there is a lot of like printing facilities. So when I did one of my first book, there is this, um, company, I think it's called Arte Grafica that I went there like to, to prove the book and to like see the, the, the printing Mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. The place was amazing. Like, uh, the place was like a lab. Like it was clean. Everybody was wearing a white, um, a white like um, coat, lab coat. You know, like it was pristine. The lighting was perfect. You know, everything. It was it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Because you know, printing facility usually like kind of dirty. Yeah, you got ink you know, everywhere. Like, or, or, piled or, up <laughs> there. Yeah. Exactly. That was not. That was like a lab. Like you know, like it was perfect. It was just like kept as a, and I, and I appreciate that part because it was like, you know, again, the stereotype of a printing facility is kind of like a little bit messy, a little bit like, uh, like, uh, not super clean, but seeing a place that is like bringing not just like 
quality in the work, but quality in the environment was something that was like really make me like really happy and wanted to go back and respect even more the the the, the craft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine how that kind of experience is. And you're right, that contrast of, you know, walking into, you know, what some people would think is a stereotypical printer where there's paper piled up in the corner, there's ink all over the place, like it just doesn't feel clean. To contrast that with something as clean and pristine and described as like a lab, that would be a profound sort of print shop experience walking into something like that. Um, Diego, you've done a lot of print. You've been around a lot of print. What do you think makes print so special for designers? Because even if they're doing print design or not, they will have a collection of books or notebooks or packaging, um, things that they just can't bring themselves to get rid of because there's just something special about them. What do you think makes print so special to designers? I think to your point, the physicality versus, you know, the endless scroll. Like, I think how many beautiful pictures you have, how many beautiful uh, video you see on Instagram, TikTok, you know, like all this platform, there is so much beauty in there, but it's fleeting, right? Like, it's something that, you know, it passed. And actually, like, how many times you say, where did I see that picture? Who was that photographer? You know, like, what, who was that? What was that movie or music video that I see for a second and I forgot to bookmark it, so I can't find it. So I feel the specialty here is like owning an object that you can go back at any time because it's on your shelf yeah. and it's like... Um, yeah, that's the part that is beautiful, in my opinion. Like, I have so many books and sometimes, often... I do research online, but after I spend a little bit of time with the books and going back and see what can inspire me, what like uh, I forgot that they're there, etc. Or like it's ownership of a physical object, right? Like um, yeah, and, and, it, and it, I think playing off of that ownership word, um, it also has some exclusive ownership to it, right? Because there's only so many of this object out there. You know, you know, a bajillion people can see an Instagram ad. Like there isn't anything exclusive about that. But when you have, you know, one of 1,000 of these particular books, like that's exclusive, that's special, that has higher value. Yeah, exactly. Like I, um, I don't know if um, I have one of these book of like um, Joshua Davis, PlayStation. Mm-hmm. He did it like in, I think it was 98, 99 with like, and it looked like, you know, the, 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 the box looked like a PlayStation, but uh, you open it and slide off and there's a book inside and there's a CD and there's like, it's free code. And after many years, I found a copy and I was like, oh my God, I need to have that place because it was owned by my old agency. So I didn't take it away. And I bought it in Iowa every year and I met Joshua Davis, he signed it, you know, like it's something special because it's a memory of a specific time mm-hmm. that after you wanted to own and after you meet the right person that signed it and is it's again, ownership, memory, the fact that you can go anytime, yeah. go back at any time, you know, without having to bookmark stuff everywhere. Yeah, and I'm sure you could probably speak to this next point too is because you've created a bunch of a bunch of beautiful books that are out there right now. When you come across a book like, you know, the one that you just described where you come across and you find you go I have to have this. What do you think it feels like or I mean you probably know, what does it feel like to create an object like that? that you know somebody else out there is really trying to get, really wants, and when they do get it, is just so thrilled and excited. What, is, what does that feel like? Um, I mean, this low-scale architecture, right? Like you have somebody else, then you go in a, in a store and you see your work is always like pride, you know? Like, yeah. And you're like, oh, that's so nice to have like created some something that somebody else covered and find beautiful yeah. you know like um, i think i think even more than that is just like seeing the person that commissioned your work being super happy and like uh being like 
proud and like you know wanted to share it that that feeling is really an accomplishment as well like uh making your client happy yeah. and happy at, at a higher level like you know like uh it's it's so beautiful so you pass it on into other home absolutely yeah i like that so you're saying that it's great to see your work out in public it's great that other people get joy out of it but the real reward for you is when your client who hired you to to work with you to create these things seeing them happy and pleased with the results is sort of like the ultimate feeling exactly it's uh, it's uh, seeing their joy when they see their, their work and their things coming to life is it's incredible yeah i can see that i can see that um, Diego, do you remember the very first print project that you were ever a part of that you ever helped create? Ooh. Ooh. I think it was like a wedding invitation or something like that. Like, uh, my dad was like, uh, doing some sort of side job on like printing wedding invitation in letterpress for people. Yeah. And so he helped me to help out. He asked me to help out with that. And so... I think that was that. Like you know, he asked me to typeset something, you know, <laughs> like for a, for a wedding thing. So that's pretty much. I feel the first first one I did, and after I think a lot of this, like you know, it was a histo uh, historic book, the publisher house. So I laid out a lot of like historic book, you know, like textbook. Yeah um on that on that things but nothing i think oh yeah yeah i remember the first i don't remember what this was the first cover i designed it was it was really nice again nothing fancy yeah. nothing like uh that you want to keep i think my mom still have it because my mom <laughs> keeps everything <laughs> of course but yeah. i don't i don't remember what was the topic or yeah. Nothing special. Yeah, I that. mean it maybe maybe it wasn't something super special, but you know, having it being the first one was just enough that, you know, you want to hang on to it just for nostalgic reasons. Exactly. For sure my mom has it. I mean she keeps everything. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> um now throughout your career you've been involved in a lot of print stuff. Have you ever been part of a print project that did not turn out as you had hoped, didn't go well, went sideways somehow? Um, can you tell us about one of those experiences? Um, I worked for Diamo Fusenberg for four years, and one of the um, uh, fashion show invitation, uh, it was printed on a vellum paper. Okay. Um, but he wanted to be the the creative director wanted to be printed like white on white. Uh, and create some sort of level of transparency uh, between the different the different layers. Um, the problem is like to print on that type of vellum, we need to silk screen part of the white, and the the transparency didn't went through at all. It was beautiful in my opinion, but it wasn't achieving the effect that the creative director had in mind. So he was particularly frustrated. I understood the like limitation technical limitation on that we tried and like um but yeah that went sideways because of technical limitation mm -hmm. again if you see it today without the backstory it's still great yeah uh but like uh the the, the tentative achievement was more layered and more like transparent but again white on white yeah sex screening and try try to try to create transparency and ink traps and not ink traps like trapping yeah. uh on why it was like very delicate and it didn't came out the way that we wanted to mm -hmm. yeah whenever you're pushing the envelope and trying unique and different things there's always a, a little bit of trial and error and trying to figure things out and make it you know you can still make it look good but somebody else who had different expectations just might not have been as pleased i think it was also a matter of time yeah. right like it was you know if we had a little bit more time you know and trying a little bit harder we could have we could have achieved it but again fashion shows you know last minute you have to go yeah. uh, so it was good enough for 
the time, yeah. but it wasn't the way that we wanted to. Yeah, man. Timeline always plays a role. Oh, for, for whenever things, I would say like 80% of the projects that go a little bit sideways or don't turn out, timelines were always just tight. And people, and you just mm-hmm. inevitably for time end up cutting a corner here and just, you know, missing something there. And then all of a sudden you're on press and you go, uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. So you right. and I had talked a little bit about a few different projects that we could dive into. And the two that I really wanted to dive deeper into with you after looking at some of the pictures and reading a bit about them were a photo book that your team put together for Sophie Holland and then another book that your team put together for the Statue of Liberty, which I'm sure has a cool story behind it as well. Um, So let's kick it off with that Sophie Holland book. Can you tell us just a little bit about how the project came to be, if there was a budget, um, and just sort of walk me through a bit of the production process and press checks if there were some, um, and just that sort of thing? Yes. So Sophie is an amazing photographer mm-hmm. that we work with many times on, um, on um, a previous book, and she's amazing, right? Like she's... Uh, very, she has very strong opinion, very strong point of view. Mm-hmm. Her work is like um, um, worldly renowned. She shoots a lot, a lot of celebrity portraits, a lot of editorials, a lot of like uh, movie um, movie posters. Um, she did like some of the latest Star Wars for Disney Plus, The Mandalorian, the. Akosha, probably I pronounce it wrong, but the series that is on Disney Plus, she does a lot of like uh, uh, entertainment work. Mm-hmm. So she's amazing. And the things that also is amazing about her is like that she knows exactly what she wants. She has a very strong opinion, but also she, she knows exactly what she wants, but also she is trusting of people that she believes um, they match her style. Mm-hmm. So um, she came to us and saying, I want to do something limited edition, like a monography about my work, but I don't want to just a book that is like photo, photo, photo. I want something that is an object that is special, that wows people yeah. because I want to send it to my selected client, my uh, celebrities that I shot, the people that really like I care about both from like a new business perspective, mm-hmm. but also like, you know, as a, as a, thank you for being shot by me or something like that. So she, she shot, she wanted like only 200 copies made of this book mm-hmm. and she had a budget on this, like, uh, but of course she was self-financing that. So it was an infinite budget. So I, we took on the challenge, um, and in collaboration with this, uh, um, Italian uh, company called Opera Italian um, that they're friends, we grew up together we went to school together and they're providing amazing quality mm-hmm. on um, outcome um, so I don't have to go on press because I trust these guys so much and that they come out with like the best solution and also the following up on uh, quality on press. Mm -hmm. Um, So together we were like, how can we push the envelope on this book to stay within budget uh, that we have, but making the best out of it. So we start tossing ideas on what we want. We knew that we wanted some like gatefold. We wanted some like um, uh, spot varnish. Uh, We wanted like a, a fifth color by chapter. Uh, so I started tossing like gold foiling on the cover, uh, some like cut out on the cover. I mean, I kept, I kept adding elements, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, until they were saying no. <laughs> uh, so at what point there, they barely said no. Yeah. At what point there, when you're adding all of these things, do you phone Sophie and say, okay, so the quote came back from the printer and it cost this much. What, what was that first conversation? 
No, no, we work the way the other way around. We say, right. how much money do you have, right? right? Like, and uh, and she's like, this is my budget. This is what I can put. I'm I'm producing that. And so I went I went to the guys and say, we wanted two hundred copies. Can we do this? Yeah. Can we do this? Can we do this? And and basically, we started playing backwards from you know until until they were letting me like not playing anymore. Yeah. Um, but mostly we got like anything that we want everything that we wanted like on on that book so we structured the book onto three chapter as black blue and red cool. so that's how we organize her work um by color okay. uh, of course yummy colors right yeah um and um and we enhance her her picture like um again I know this is a podcast, nobody can see it, but <laughs> if you go on our website, um, you can see that like, we didn't do a lot of like graphic treatment on the picture, but we use our picture to bring out their, her style or philosophy right. or like way of, of being. So. Mm-hmm. so now in that process of, you know, adding things and you know, gate folds and different things like that. You're also selecting materials. What was the thought process for this book getting into selecting papers and the materials that were going to make this physical object? We knew we wanted some materials that like um, reflected this three three colors right the red she loves the this lacquer red she loves gold she loves black both matte and shiny mm-hmm. um and blue so we wanted material that like um really like was able to bring uh to life these three colors yeah. so if you see the like um the case outside is like a fedrigoni black i think it's a cereal uh deep black and is matte and so it was taking perfectly the the gold foiling and the contrast between the black matte and the gold foiling was great um the paper inside again we choose different papers uh to not be too shiny um besides the cover that is like a lacquer red Mm -hmm. that we wanted like a, a shiny Shiny, but in the, in the interior was like a coated matte uh, paper. Mm-hmm. Besides, there's an insert that is red, and that was like uh, uncoated because we wanted to create contrast between the uncoated, the coated, and uncoated. Um, so yeah, it was more to enhance her picture, knowing that like you know her colors are are amazing, her depth. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of darker pictures, so we didn't want a paper that absorbed too much uh, to keep it open. We also, uh, I can can I go technical, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. we enhance the LPI on uh, on images to get like a finer a finer dot, yeah. um, so we could have like uh, again better definition mm-hmm. on uh so we went on uh, 130 lpi usually you are between 70 uh very cheap printing is 55 to 60 yeah. the average printing is 70 to 90 and after if you want to go even higher but you have to reduce speed of machines to print at that level yeah. of things otherwise your ink it goes crazy yeah. so uh, again, this was like a talking with like Opera saying we want the highest definition that we can do, but you have to go slower. Uh, but we have only 200 copies, so we can play around with that kind of like elements on production to to create the best quality possible. Yeah. Yeah. So the um, what type of printing did you guys use for this book? Because when you're in that 200 quantity, you know, you're, you're Mm -hmm. on the lower side of, you know, quantities that, you know, the bigger machines are typically running and putting through. Um, So were there aspects of this that were printed digital and some that went offset or how did it all come together? 
Oh, everything was off. Set. Everything Sorry, offset. I'm taking the book. Yeah. So that's why I'm off camera. <laughs> everything was off offset. Um, there was gold foiling on uh, cover and uh, and the case. Mm -hmm. And after with silk screen, there is a couple of entry pages that are black. And so with silk screen gold on these pages, uh, so at the beginning, at the end, there are like four pages that are like um, black, the same black as the the um, case. Mm -hmm. So we silk screen these four pages in gold, and the rest it was offset. Yeah. Wow! So you got silk screening in there, offset. There's a whole bunch of specialty finishing and die cutting and foil stamping. Just to bring this yep. thing to life and to create something amazing. And looking at pictures, and just for everybody listening, I'm going to put the description, uh, in the description of this podcast episode, I'm going to put the link to the Yummy Colors website where you can see photos of this. Um, we'll also put some of these up on Instagram when this episode goes up, uh, just so everybody can get the visuals of, um, of, of this piece that we're talking about. You've got such bold colors mixed with bold photography, with bold construction, of you know in the materials that are used was there a and, and sort of talking about the binding method of this book you've got like a like an open Smythe sewn spine here um and what was the reason that that decision was made uh we wanted to have the book like completely open like uh, 180 yeah. Um, and that was the, the decision also, if you, I don't know if you see it from the picture, but we wanted to have like the red thread to be seen, mm -hmm. uh, throughout. So it was really like, again, like the rawness of, uh, the, the spine yeah. contrasting the, the like lacquer red on the cover, so cool. uh, and the gold, uh, and the, this idea of like that people could really like getting it open, you know, like 180 yeah. uh, and enjoy the, the, the book. So this is a perfect example of, of using print processes, materials, binding processes and finishing to really back up and tell the story of what the purpose of this print piece is. And if you had you know, printed this thing digitally on coated paper and just either did a standard perfect bound or just saddle stitched it, just stapled it. It wouldn't have anywhere near the impact and the storytelling that this piece does with the materials being yeah. selected. So um, huge props to you and the team for getting that nailed. Thank you, thank you. It's like, uh, and we go back to the things that we were saying off off record before, right? Like knowing all this technique yeah. and knowing the limitation yeah. of the technicality yeah. allows you to speak with the with the printer at a level of like uh, yes. that they cannot fool you like uh, in a way where it's like, you know, I want this, I know how to make it. Yeah. Now it's only a matter of price. Yeah. Um, you don't rely on the printer to tell you what to do or how you can do it. Yeah. Um, you, that's, that's the part that I enjoy a lot of the time, you know, like when I, when I don't work with my printers and the people that know me, when I start talking, certain level of like technicality and things that I want yeah. people are like slightly impressed because <laughs> <laughs> there is like you know usually it's them telling designers or like how things can be made yeah. and uh, having like me telling them like I want this I want this and made in this way and I know it's possible uh -huh. um, it's really like nice too <laughs> and people get get like impressed about it yeah i'm so glad you said that because in our in our program print design mastery which is our membership program you know you and i were talking a little bit about print design academy and you know why i do what i do you know we dive really deep into even terminology we spend a lot of time on terminology on how to find a printer and what questions to ask them to just make sure that they are a fit for that project. Make sure they have the right equipment that can actually pull off the project that you want 
to do, to do because otherwise you could end up in a situation where you're talking to a little digital printer that's outsourcing your your big fancy book project and you didn't have any idea the whole time you know so who's actually looking at this thing so we spend a lot of time within print design mastery talking about finding printers questions to ask them, the terminology, how to request quotes and what's required there, just so that you are approaching that as the expert. Like you know these things so that you don't have to, you know, sort of see what they suggest. You can go in there. Exactly. Love that. No, it's it's beautiful. Um, so the other project that we wanted to dive into and talk about is the Statue of Liberty book for um, called The Monumental Dream. Um, can you give me a little story on how this project came to be? Oh, this is this is this is nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's really it's really a beautiful story. So. Um, I work for Diane von Fustenberg. Like uh, again, this is like again, right place in the right time. Yeah. Diane von Fustenberg um, was the patron behind the new Statue of Liberty Museum um, that has been built uh, on Ellis Island. Mm -hmm. The she was helping fundraising and like uh, and like. Uh, bringing it to life for like uh, besides designing she helped like working around the fundraising making this project happening with the city of new york uh, um and the the result is like a beautiful building uh, really nicely integrated into the, the the island so she asked me to go to the ellis island foundation to talk to the people and like for I think it was an invitation for an event, a fundraising event. Okay. So when I went into when I went into the uh, Ellis Island Foundation uh, place um, office, I was left in a room and I found all the blueprint. Uh, I found on the table there were the blueprint of the Statue of Liberty from the Reagan era when it got like. Um, um, how do you say what's the word um, cleaned up and um, and like uh, oh, like the refurbish exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, they they take it apart clean up all the all the elements and put it back together yeah so because from if AFL there was no blueprint the the team recreate all the blueprint um, of the study liver so I see this kind of like huge blueprint on the table and I was like wow, what are we doing with this? Is there not a book about all the blueprint of the Statue of Liberty? So that started like, let's say again, like, you know, May, June, uh, May, June. I knew on the May of the following year that we're launching the museum. So I started bugging them and say, hey, can we not do a book uh, <laughs> <laughs> around, around the blueprint? And because with Diane, uh, we did a book with Rizzoli. I went to Rizzoli with a project saying, guys, can we not do a book on the things? They were like, oh, it's, nobody's going to buy a purely uh, blueprint book on the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. I'd beg to disagree, but that's another, another, another podcast another time. <laughs> it was right at the time that, like, remember when Standard Manual published the NASA um yes. the nasa like uh like the brand guidelines guideline. yeah, yeah. yeah it was right at the time it was a beautiful book it sold like thousands of copies because all the designers were in love with that you know like and they were like doing a really good job in like making a thing so i was bringing that as a case study saying hey there is a lot of people that love the study of liberty and love a technical book yeah. around you know something that is so iconic uh we should do it they said, no, we're not interested in that. So let's move on. Timeline moves to December. Uh, and Diane was like, what are we giving to all the people that come to the museum on, uh, on the opening night? Um, what are we giving them? Ask the question to the Alice Island Foundation. And they were like, um, knickknacks, you know, like, a mug, stuff. So she a was like, mug. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And she was like, called me and it was like December. I was like, we're doing a book, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it needs to be ready 
by March. Okay. Um, so we have three months to design and bring to life a book on to the Statue of Liberty. So she brought in a writer and they start sending me the entire archive of the Ellis Island Foundation um, on a hard drive. And I start went through thousands and thousands of pictures, like uh, including I went there, like, you know, like looking at the uh, older, like physical uh, picture that they have from like, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s. Uh, the Reagan uh, restructuring of the things. So there is a lot of things that we have to sift through. Uh, meanwhile, the, the, the writers I was in contact, it was a French writer that was like um, specialized in uh, Eiffel and his constructions. And like, uh, so he started creating these 10 chapters uh, around the history of the Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm ending on the last chapter on the museum. Uh, and so, yeah, it took like three months to just like putting it together, like, uh, and selecting pictures. I mean, like Rizzoli was amazing. The producer from their, their side, uh, Jim was like incredible in like clearing, <laughs> clearing like, um, rights for every picture that we wanted yeah. and finding the, the right resolution so that's like uh, was incredible and the last point was this really awesome i negotiated to go on and because there was not like a picture of the statue from like the face a very a very close up on the angle that we wanted mm-hmm. so the statue of liberty um ellis island foundation had an helicopter guy that was going up regularly and they asked oh we can take a picture with this guy and i was like I need to go. <laughs> so yes. I, I woke up like at 3 a.m. like on a on a day it was minus like minus 17 Celsius. Oh, uh, I drove to Jersey, took an open helicopter, you know, like on the on the Krakadon to have the best light. And it was February. Yes, I think it was February. You know, like I was freezing, freezing. But you know, I got to get like a 20 minutes helicopter ride around around the Statue of Liberty to take the cover. That was a beautiful experience as well. Um, Amazing. And you got and so that's pretty much the story behind it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. So really the idea started with you were helping them with an invitation. You show up in, in this sort of waiting room area and you see the original blueprints. And, you know, I think I think you need on the back of your business card, Diego, it just needs to say, can we do a book? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's how all these things start. Um, that's beautiful. So your you your team created this book that really walked through the history of the Statue of Liberty for this museum and foundation. Mm-hmm. Yes, beautiful. It's it's really beautiful and interesting. Like, um, and we wanted to give it a spin because there are, of course, there are other book of the on onto this on the Statue of Liberty where it's not the first one, it's not gonna be the last. Um but we wanted to give it like a design spin. Mm-hmm. So when you look through the entire book, you know, the layout is a little bit more modern than what you find in the and the things that the the fonts, you know, is tempos from like um the New Zealand uh uh, uh Klim mm-hmm. type foundry. Um, so everything has like, you know, something that you want to go through that book a little bit more, you know, the picture selection, you know, we try to over indexing on the, on the like, um, blueprint because I wanted to put as many as I could in there. Um, so yeah, it was a beautiful experience and I got to go inside the Studio Liberty That's cool. uh, as a private tour. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, so I want to ask you the same question <clears throat> as I asked you on the first one is the material selection on this. Like I, I look at some of the colors and, and what I know a little bit of the Statue of Liberty and I start to make just some assumptions. Um, but I'd love to hear from you on the color and material selection and makeup um, of this project and what decisions were made behind the scenes to, bring, to, to make those come to life. 
if you want, this is a book, you know, like from a publisher. So it's like the costs were like more um, restrained yes. from like a production perspective. But the colors, to your point, thank you for noticing. Mostly on the cover and the inside, we we played with this oxid, like the the color of oxidized copper, yep. uh, as well as copper, right? So there is like um, um, the the foiling is actually we tried to get like the clo- as close as possible as the original copper mm-hmm. and after the cover the cover and the inside paper is the uh, fifth color like mimicking the oxidizing green uh, from the copper so it was really like uh, and there is a some blue on the on the for for mimicking the blueprint as well so nice. we played around with like very ownable um, and original colors from, of course, Lady Liberty. Yeah. <clears throat> That's amazing. So would you say that the part, you know, the, the print stuff that you like to bring alive, you know, to life the most is those, these books that really tell brand stories or tell history or, you know, really are full of, you know, stories and emotion? Yes, I will say yes. I like I like coffee table books, yeah. like uh, where there is a high value of like uh, visual, but also like a, a very like uh, in depth storytelling uh, in the, in the book. Like I'm I'm in love with like what Standard Manual it did, like and started. Um, there is another uh, portion. It's called volume.co. Actually, the website is vol.co and it's Tame and Hudson. Uh, and think about like a special um, Kickstarter just for book. Yeah. And so they bring this kind of like special project in there. You bid on it. If enough people pre-order the book, they publish it. And it's kind of like this monogra- monography around artists, around like uh, designers, it's really beautiful. So I love this kind of project that like brings the archive of something and like make it in a beautiful, different way uh, for as as an object. Awesome. That you know, it's just there's magic similar to what we were saying earlier. You know, there's there's magic in bringing these objects to life. You know, and seeing people interact exactly. with them. That's amazing. Diego, thank you for giving us that deep dive into a couple of those awesome projects. And again, I'll put links to those um, on the Yummy Colors website in the description of this podcast episode for those who are listening. We'll also share some photos on Instagram. Um, Just to kind of wrap up the last couple of questions here for you, um, what advice would you give designers who are new to print or they want to get started in print, but they don't know what to do first? Like, What advice would you give them? I would say go to a printer like and ask them to explain you physically what's happening mm-hmm. while they're printing, spend time in there, like because no matter how much you read online, no matter how much you're like playing, you're missing the physical elements and 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 you miss to see what's happening when you're printing, right? I learned that if you have like solid colors in some pages that will affect the, your entire sheet of, of, of like uh, the tint of other picture can shift, but you don't understand that part if you don't see it yeah. on the paper. Right. Like, so I would, uh, I would say go to a printer, ask them to stay there for like a day a week, uh, some hours a week and having, and shadowing a printer, like the best printer that they have, and telling you like everything that goes well, everything that goes wrong, why. So you understand when you design how to think about uh, things um, and plan for things that happen. Yeah, I love that. <clears throat> it's very similar to what we, we teach about when we're talking about press checks within our print design mastery. We say, you know, go to the press check, have a look at your sheet, ask your questions, but then hang around. 
watch the pressman adjust things, ask them questions. What's the next step in that print process? You know, ask questions about that. Get involved and ask questions while you're there. See as much as you can because there's so many little lessons in there that you can then translate into your designs and how you take advantage of, you know, that process to create even more unique printed experiences. So I completely agree. Yeah. Oh, one last, one last mm -hmm. thing, proofing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> proof your stuff. Like, you know, get high quality proof yep. before you go on press mm -hmm. because that's going to change. What you see on screen is not what you're getting. Like, Definitely not. On, on paper. Yep. No, 100%. Couldn't agree more. Um, so, Diego, let's wrap this up with where can people find out more about you and Yummy Colors and the work that you guys are doing? Our website and our Instagram. So you can go on yummycolors.com, spelled in the British way with a U, yep. so C-O-L-U-R-S. And uh, same on Instagram. Mm, that's the places where you can. We're also happy to hear from people. Mm -hmm. So if you guys have any question, we're happy to uh, answer question. Uh, we're also educators, so we're teaching in different places. Connie's teaching in Bangkok right now. I'm teaching in Barcelona. But again, happy to answer a question if you have any question for us or just send us a line. Amazing. We're happy to meet people. I love that. I love that. And I'll put links to your website and everything in the description of this episode as well. Um, Diego, thank you so much for sticking with me. It's now 10.30 p.m. your time. Um, thanks for hanging in there. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for having us. All right. That is the end of today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Go check out the links in the description of this podcast to see the amazing work that Yummy Colors is putting together. Also in the links, you can put yourself on the wait list for the Print Design Summit coming up. And you can sign up for your free seven-day trial of Print Design Mastery, which includes the Craft Beer Label Design Course and all that stuff. Guys, get out there and create some awesome print, and we'll talk to you soon.